are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right, with John Schuster. John Schuster asked uh, on the podcast yesterday, what was your question, John Schuster? We'll go. Was Arizona tired? I don't want to use it as an excuse, but Arizona played a Thursday game, a Sunday game, and then a Tuesday game, uh, and that was probably the quickest stretch that they've played this season. And before that, there had been some significant breaks in action. Mm -hmm. Uh, Arizona had a terrible shooting night against UCLA, and a lot of the a lot of those shots were open too. They they weren't all bad shots. You just had a bunch of guys who didn't shoot particularly well. A lot of that, most of that, is UCLA's defense. Uh, but could Arizona have had an off shooting night partially because they ran out of gas? Um, yeah, I guess. But at the same time, though, I have a problem with that because these kids are playing AAU. They're playing three games a day. I remember, too, when I was a young buck, 19 or 20, and again, it's obviously a far different level of competition, but I guess, but I I, I don't really like that argument, um, mainly because these guys aren't 40, they're not, we're not dealing with 35-year-olds right now, we're dealing with kids that are 20 that are generally should be able to go all the time. You could be right, though. I think it's more of a, it was kind of a perfect storm there, to be honest with you, in that you had Tabellis, who looked who you correctly pointed out looked fine moving, but he clearly did not play well from a skill perspective. The shots that we normally see him make around the basket, we didn't. He 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 didn't make, and not only did he not make it, looked like he was just throwing them up as a prayer from like seven feet. Um, Carissa was obviously terrible. Coloco was terrible. Matherin, I'm going to give a little bit of a. I'm going to give some kudos to in one regard. He was obviously not good, but he was the only guy on the team. That continued to want to go for it, though. And I actually, I, I like that. It was kind of the Russell West. Now, again. Oddly enough, he was the one who kind of prompted this thought. Because he was the one. Teresa seemed to miss right or left. Tabellus is throwing stuff all over the place. You can blame the ankle on that. Matherin's shots were short as the game progressed. Mm-hmm. And his explosiveness to the rim wasn't what we've come to expect either. Right. So, I don't. Like you, I think right. it's a crappy excuse, mm-hmm. and it's and it's something it's something you've got to deal with. And we've we've seen a bunch of college teams in December and and, and late November play three games in a row in right. Maui and insert tournament here. It's something that you get used to, and it's the way it goes. It shouldn't have been the case, but it felt like maybe as the game moved along a little bit that uh, you know there, there there were key elements of what Arizona wanted to do that just wasn't as effective as it was, and so the three games in five days thing kind of mm-hmm. popped into my head. Again, it shouldn't have been the case, and certainly early on it didn't look like the case, but Matherin was the one specific guy who kind of triggered Matherin that. Makes, Matherin does make sense there, but what I liked about Matherin is he continued to try to go. Now, granted, he was doing the Russell Westbrook thing where I'm just going to go a thousand miles an hour with absolutely no stopping, and you know what, hopefully something will work. But at the end of the day, he was still trying to make things happen out there. So I give Matherin, uh, I give Matherin kudos on that one. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it is. But that's also to me a little bit of a problem, though. If you're, you know, if the three games in five days is too much for you, especially when two of those games were at home and you're traveling to LA, it's not like you're traveling across the country. 
I don't know. I think that's kind of a wimpy excuse. I'm not saying that you uh, subscribe to that. Maybe. No, I, I, no, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if I right. subscribe to it or not. I'm right. just generally throwing out there. I agree that it shouldn't be an excuse that Arizona should be better than it, but it was the first time that Arizona right. had experienced that this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that may have been one of many other factors that played into a perfect storm. By saying that, I don't want to take anything away from UCLA. They kicked Arizona's ass mm-hmm. and, and probably would have with Arizona at full strength because UCLA came in with a better game plan. They were more physical. They executed better. They got the spots that they wanted to get their defense was outstanding. Right. Um, one of the things that I found fascinating about uh, the game the other night was if I had told you coming in, eh, UCLA is going to score 75 points. Mm-hmm. How would we have thought that game was going to go before? Oh, I would have thought did. Arizona wins by 13, 14 points. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I love this. The team you know? in control right. is not the team that scored right. 75. Right. <laughs> yet, yet it was an entirely uh, different animal. And uh, uh, there were some, you know, there, there, there were some other things that uh, took hold as well. Arizona decided not to press for whatever reason. Right. Didn't seem to push tempo. It was like they had yielded that UCLA wasn't going to turn the ball over mm-hmm. a lot. So they didn't let you see right they, exactly. they didn't try to push that a little bit and there were some sequences where Arizona tried to press it almost worked in their favor right and which at the time almost surprised me that they hadn't done it early and you know I, I I don't know what the reason for that is but there were a lot of things that didn't work well for Arizona but now you got to put it be you got to learn from it put it behind you move on from there and see what you can ultimately do and hopefully better days are ahead and there have been a lot of really good days for this team I expect that there are going to be a lot of others still to come. You know what also is a lot of really good stuff, though, is NetSuite. Here's the deal with NetSuite. NetSuite is for important people. Um, this is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink at the championship is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite for the new year. NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked on. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer and the number one financial system for growing business, netsuite.com. Let's take a break. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke, with John Schuster. You know, the one the, the thing that is good about this shoe is that Arizona does get this team again in like a week. And you get a Matt McHale. So that's certainly going to help, I think, in that regard. And I think it'll be a, a more of a, I guess, maybe more of a true barometer of where this team really is. Because if they get smacked around again... That's a problem. That's a massive... Yeah. I don't expect that to happen. I don't either. I actually think Arizona's going to win. I do, I too. think Arizona's going to run the re- rematch. I think... In, in in some ways, this is like the football matchup between Georgia and Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, where Alabama threw everything they had at them because they had to win the SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. But Georgia was the better team. And right. then once they knew how Alabama was going to attack them, right. they had answers the next time around. Right. I think Arizona now knows how UCLA is going to approach them. Right. And I think Arizona has a few more, a belief that... You can even, oddly enough, you can come out of this game with some weird optimism. Uh, Matherin couldn't shoot. Creasa couldn't hit a bucket. Coloco was brutal. Tabellus was injured. And right. you were in touch? Right. You weren't in the game, but you were in touch uh, for 
you know, m most of the game it was clear you weren't going to win, but you were still hanging around. Mm -hmm. If a couple things go your way, you're in it. Right. Uh, so, you know, you get into the familiarity of McHale. You can probably make those shots. Uh, you know that you have to be more physical and more aggressive on both ends of the floor. You know that uh, a, a, an interior presence is going to use his left hand, right. so you don't let him beat you what, with the left hand. Yeah, which is uh, crazy because, like you said, there were three times where you knew exactly what Riley was going to do, and mm -hmm. it was almost like Arizona was baffled by it. Yeah, you can do that once. Mm -hmm. You can get away with that once. When Coloco gets burned with that once, the coach is saying, um, right. so what was the problem there? Right. Guard the left hand, coach. Mm -hmm. Guard the left hand. Got it. All right, right let's go. Right. You know, and no, uh, that that shouldn't happen the second time and the third time. Crowd's in your favor. It's going to be, a, I think it's going to be the best crowd we've seen in quite some time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so there are a lot of things, I think, that work in Arizona's favor. And I would expect the game to have a different outcome. Like you said, if it doesn't, right. then Arizona better hope it doesn't see UCLA in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But if it does, I'm really interested in case those two teams meet in the Pac-12 tournament, uh, which is what in Vegas, uh, right. in, in you know, in what six weeks or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Now, one thing that I would actually, you know, what we're going to move this around just a little bit here because I want to take a, I want to take a quick break here. Oh, so that you can expand your rant. I want to go on to a rant. All right. I want to hear it. Okay. Uh, one thing, betonline.ag, though, is something that we absolutely need to be able, you need to know about. It's not Anthony Gimino. Oh, I didn't tell you about this. Mm. Anthony Gimino yesterday. Yeah. Then this is a good segue into, first of all, betonline.ag is a good segue into what uh, what I'm going about to talk about. Anthony Gimino, Tony Gimino is a red, big Red Sox fan. Mm -hmm. A guy got into the Hall of Fame yesterday, David Ortiz, and I was going, um, I was going off and saying, "Why is this guy allowed to be in the Hall of Fame?" Here's what Tony Gimino says to me, and this is the most Tony Gimino answer ever. Maybe we'll have fun with this on the post game. I don't have any interest in arguing evidence. The man was tested for 15 years and wasn't positive. What other guys have done so, I don't know, and I do not care. Not my problem. Ortiz deserves to be a first ballot guy, and he is. End of story. Tony Gimino. Right. Right. That's uh, that's basically where that's basically where we're at right now. So, uh, we'll, but we're gonna get to that. But Ben, BetOnline.ag is where you want to get all your best stuff. That's where it is. That's where you want to make everything happen right there. Okay. Now let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Okay. Now I'm going to talk about Baseball Hall of Fame voter. Is there a douchier person in the entire world than Baseball Hall of Fame voter? Probably in the world, yes. But, but, uh, but in, they're, in they're sports up there. Media, in sports media. No. no. Oh, and, and, and folks who have listened to this podcast know that I am all kinds of critical about right. modern sports media. Right. So when, we're pu so, so, so when we're putting the traditional sanctimonious baseball writer and Hall of Fame voter at the top of the pinnacle, that's a really high pinnacle that continues to grow. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's your rant. Okay. Barry Bonds is the best, uh, and again, I'm biased here, but I'm also right. Um, Barry Bonds <laughs> is the best baseball player that I have ever seen. Um, and by a good margin. Now, everybody knows, well, Barry Bonds took steroids. Well, I could pull a Tony Gimino there and say, please, or not a Tony Gimino, because we like Tony Gimino. I could pull a Tom Verducci right here, or a, uh, you know, somebody else. Oh, a Bob Costas, one of my favorite, 
un, one of my least favorite people in the entire media. Bob Costas, who will say, well, David Ortiz, oh, by the way, real quick, I'm getting ahead of myself. David Ortiz, who tested positive for steroids, by the way, tested positive and has all the markings of somebody who took steroids, the a guy who for about five years averaged about 18 home runs a year, and then all of a sudden he's hitting 47 and 55. David Ortiz took steroids. I feel very comfortable in saying that. Sorry, Tony. Um, so, the baseball writers for the last uh, 15, 16 years have said, nope, we will not. And not all baseball writers. In all, in all actuality, Bonds got, I think, 66% of the vote. But the really crappy ones, the Tom Verducci's of the world, have all said, well, <laughs> I will not. And he had an article out, though, yesterday patting himself on the back saying that Hall of Fame voters, and this was the title. I want to get this right. Hall of Fame baseball writers continued to stand on integrity with principle was the headline. What a what an asshole way of saying <laughs> that I am the best person ever. Uh-huh. And his reasoning was is that Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens didn't get into the Hall of Fame. Cool. I don't necessarily agree with it, but you know what? If you want to be the stickler that says, I'm not putting anybody in with PEDs, I don't agree with you, but I get it. I do. Um... But now you're showing yourself to be a real. You're f- showing yourself to be who you really are, right here. You liked David Ortiz personally. He gave you probably some pretty good quotes behind the scenes, and now you're saying, "Well, I didn't actually see him inject himself. I didn't see the positive test. So who am I to sit here and say, well, I would ask you this, Tom? Did you actually see Barry Bonds inject himself? I would assume you didn't, because if you did, that's really creepy." And second of all, did you see his positive test? Probably not. So this whole thing, this whole spiel that we've been hearing for the last 15 years about how we can't put anybody in that's tested positive for PED, the first time you get somebody in there that you like, you put him in the Hall of Fame. This is why people hate you. This is why people make fun of Hall of Fame baseball voter. And it's just insane. And again, I don't have a problem putting David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame. It is a little weird to me that 20 years ago, there was not one DH that was ever allowed in now because of the baseball writers. They don't play. They only play half the position or half the game. But Barry Bonds, by any measure, was better at David or better than David Ortiz at everything. On the, if I may interrupt oh, yes. for a really thing. The unfortunate thing about this argument is that it needs to be focused not on David Ortiz. What's that? It needs to be focused on baseball writers, and it needs to be focused on the inconsistencies in their voting practices mm-hmm. and the sanctimony, the, the sanctimonious elements that come into that. The unfortunate aspect of that is that because David Ortiz, who be- deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, right. got into the Hall of Fame, he is used as the comparative, he's used as the comparison to make the case against Bonds. That's not David Ortiz's mm-hmm. fault. Right. You know, so, so by all metrics here, should the, in my opinion, should the Hall of Fame have Rose, Bonds, Clemens, and David Ortiz? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm perfectly fine with that. So in no way is this a demeaning argument, at least in my interpretation, right. to David Ortiz. Not, not who I think ab- He's caught in the crossfire, He's caught in the crossfire of, yes, of the, of the continuing hypocritical nonsense of the baseball voter. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. That's all. That, Go ahead. That, I'm that's sorry. A, that's, exactly, that's exactly where David Ortiz is right here. But like I said... Barry Bonds has seven MVPs. The next closest person has three all time. I mean, that's that's one of those records that's never going to be topped, you know. So, but again, 
fine. I've been lectured to this entire time about how I'm not going to put him in because of the sanctity of the game. Dude, get the hell out of here with all this stuff. And that's why people don't like you. That's why people roll their eyes when they talk. People don't roll their eyes when they talk about the NFL Hall of Fame voter. They don't roll their, even though everybody gets into the NBA Hall of Fame, they don't roll their eyes <laughs> when they talk about them. The only group of people. I heard that you were up for the NBA yes, Hall of Fame. Yes, I was. Awesome. The only group of people. I would pe- vote for you. Yes, you should. I love that. The, the only group of people that they actually make fun of are mm-hmm. you guys. And it's because of stupid stuff like this. So, I mean, you just bend yourself into a pretzel now. Well, and then you would have to carry this to the logical conclusion that any baseball player who played for about a 15-year period cannot possibly be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Correct. Correct. So you would erase 15 years of baseball I do history. love the argument, though, that I didn't actually see him take it. Well, you didn't see these guys that's take true. it, too, dude. Yep. And again, if you did, that's really weird. Um, so, again, all these Baseball Hall of Fame voters... Uh, not all of them. I think I'm sure many of them are fine people. But there are a lot of high prior, high profile ones who relish this nonsense. Yeah, Bob Costas is mm-hmm. another one right yes. there. You yes. know, that just Costas and Verducci are often cut from the same cloth, where they believe the integrity of the game. They make up the romantic nostalgia, the Hollywood nostalgia of what baseball is, mm-hmm. and then they carry it to this uh, faux, sophisticated almost Ivy League superiority Mm -hmm. that just makes them the irritating pieces of crap that they are. Yes, and that's what, you know what? I'm sure they're listening to the Locked On Wildcats (laughs) podcast, and I'm sure that this really bothered them. I hope it does. You've been listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast.